Thank you. That was fantastic. Man, I enjoyed the worship tonight. It was just so good. Great to be able to enjoy the presence of God. Fantastic. How many here weren't tonight? They're not, weren't here this morning? Just a bit of an idea. Get the, try and get an idea of the numbers. It's about a third. Oh, we had a great time this morning. Shared about Pakistan. And uh, just for the sake of those who weren't there, uh, we'll share just again, but we'll make it very brief. Next uh, week, we want to show you a few pictures as well. I just didn't have time to get the pictures together because we just got back. And I can tell you something, it's lovely being in a lovely, clean country with blue sky and no guns being carried around. It's, been, it's fantastic. We had, a, we had an awesome time. Do you want to come up and just share with us and uh, bring the microphone? Just tell you a little bit about what we experienced over there and about what, we've been, uh, what the church has been doing, sowing. Uh, you will be delighted to hear at the impact of what we have done. Would you like to share? the last thing we did before we left. You'd love this, Kathy. We decided to pray for little Lindy because she's two, nearly two and she's only nine Ks and we thought we'd better pray for her to grow. So she was on the bed and, and she was she's enjoying the feeling of being prayed for. And, and she kept coming back for more. And the last picture we had was on both her knees with her hands over her eyes, just absorbing and enjoying being prayed for. Kate said, did that feel good? <laughs> gorgeous. Even little children you know, can receive and sense God's presence so powerfully. She's a character, actually. We went shopping one day at 10 o'clock at night because of the shops just down the road and they don't open till midday anyway. You should see this little girl with a bag on her arm and she's swinging the other arm flat out and she's off to town. I thought my mum would be proud of you. <laughs> she went straight to her shoe shop too. <laughs> Unfortunately, she peeked, pooped over it because we all had tummy bucks. <laughs> Another day we went to a place like uh, McDonald's and the poor little kid doesn't get to a playground hardly ever. And you should have seen that little body walk as fast as it possibly could to the slides and the, and the things she could climb on. She went flat out as fast as her little legs could carry her. But yes, it's very difficult for a family living in Pakistan. You know, you, you go to their home, you think, this is lovely. But then you live in it and you find it, it's dirty all the time, no matter what, how much you clean it, it's dirty. And there's only aircon in two rooms, the two bedrooms upstairs, because the lovely owner decided to pull the aircon off the wall as he left. And, and uh, so it's just stinking hot. Sweat comes off you the whole time and... And the power keeps going off, so even if the fan's going, it mustn't last long. And, and then the power keeps going off all over town anyway. Everybody has two-hour blocks when there's no power. And maybe if you've got generators and things, you can get something going. But, and then the water. <laughs> you get in the shower and you shampooed your hair up and all of a sudden everything stops. <laughs> this is life. Imagine with your husband away overseas and you've got three kids with diarrhea and no water. It's something like that. <laughs> It's just shocking. But uh, they've just got tremendous spirits because they, they're there for a cause. They fully embrace the cause. And I'm, I'm amazed at how strong they can be and how, how their spirits are still so... They're standing up six months like that. I think you've got to have the grace of God on your life to even survive. But we stepped into it with a bit of a shock. It was Everything's different. I mean, I was even thinking, like, we're used to a normal family with his mum and dad and children and the children are trained by mum and dad and that's life for us. It's not like that there. You go into a household and there's everybody lives in the household. There's mum and there's sisters and there's servants and there's maids and, and one day, you should have seen us, we went to visit Anwar. 
we're actually in his bedroom. And in the bedroom, um, we started off on a nice little two-seater couch. But before long, Mike was lying on Anwar's bed, the men on each side massaging him. Mum was, wasn't well, so she was lying on bed too, and baby was on bed, and, and Anwar was lying on Mike, and, and kids were in and out, and servants were in and out, and you think, this is their bedroom. But you know, this is life in, in an environment like that where it's just totally different. And I was waiting for a chance to have a one-to-one with them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it took about three hours. <laughs> you just had to be patient. Yeah. You just have to wait, and eventually everything happens. It just doesn't happen on schedule. <laughs> Nothing happens on Nothing schedule. Nothing happens on schedule. You it just turn up. And they'll tell you, you've got to be there at nine, you'll be there at nine, and then, well, who knows when it'll start, you know, you're sitting and there's someone's doing something and uh, people are coming and going. But uh, an amazing place, amazing work that God is doing there, yeah. and uh, the, 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 the nation is in, in turmoil and change at the moment. And uh, it was just a, an amazing thing to see Dave and Kate and their family, in spite of all the hardships, all the difficulties, just how courageously they're handling yeah. the circumstances. I never heard a complaint all the time I was there, and yet I know that Dave was sick at time for weeks on end, just never, uh, never not sick, and, uh, and yet he would get up, go out, he'd go to places, preach in places, and carry on and function uh, without a word of complaint. Kate was at home, and uh, most of the time excluded from things that were happening, uh, having to care for the children, never a word of complaint, just uh, joyfully uh, doing the very best she could in the midst of incredibly uh, pressured and difficult circumstance. They have to have armed guards all the time uh, to protect their house, to protect them. She can't leave the house on her own without an armed guard. It would be dangerous to do so. And uh, there's a, a, a sense of peace in the place. And yet, underneath, it's just in turmoil all the time. And you can see that uh, on, on one or two days. Uh, we knew something was up because you drive down the street and, and you notice every 75 metres there'd be a uh, highly armed guard, yeah. uh, uh, one of the military are there, and you know something's about to happen or they think something might happen. So it's a place of great tension and turmoils and change. You get a place where God is moving amazingly. We, Most we did, amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. 20,000 people jammed in. And, and one big area, just, just no room to move. And uh, just when Mike gave the altar call, hands and everywhere, hands are going Literally up. thousands. You couldn't count the number of people that hands. stood up and responded to the gospel. Yeah, we we were in the meeting amazing. there, 20,000 plus. Uh, people sitting, no seats, no seats. You're just sitting all in the outdoors, uh, music waving going, and uh, waving their hands, absolutely excitedly <laughs> entering into it, and uh, everything is going. And uh, then when the altar call came, just people all over the place standing up. Just yeah. people are desperately needing a message of hope. And then and a miracle <clears throat> prayer, Mike, that those that are sick or demonized or oppressed stand up, which is almost everybody. And you prayed the miracle prayer. It's all you had access to do. You couldn't get down and lay hands on them. And then constant flow of testimonies of people that were radically delivered, healed, able to A lady had a deaf ear open. We had a man had some his eyes uh, healed. Had another one who'd been tormented in pain for years was immediately healed. Uh, whole numbers of back problems healed. Uh, uh, hepatitis is an incredible problem over there. Mm. Uh, a woman's body was racked with pain of hepatitis, just immediately free of the pain. Uh, just in just the miracles, just so many miracles, you couldn't keep track of all the things that God was doing in that place. Quite just, stunning, really. Just the glory of God, just God himself touching them from the whole place. It just, it's just amazing. You think, can this be real? All these people have been healed. But it was, it was for real. And the Isaac TV, those that have sown into Isaac TV, 
There's a tremendous man of faith. We can't get over the, the story of, of um, Pastor Anwar's life, but he stood up. He could easily be living comfortably. Many people want to put their name on his work and offer him buildings and cars and finance, but he's true to the vision God has given him and uh, just lived t- totally dependent on God. And it's just amazing where Isaac TV is getting now. It's 63 nations. And when they relocate, it will reach even more nations. He's believing Africa, Europe, the world. You know, he's got such a big vision. And I believe God will just continue to enlarge him. And what I thought was quite amusing is that the imams, the, um, the Muslim leaders, their wives and children are watching this at home. And they're telling all the other women at church, hey, you need to watch Isaac TV. It's so good. And the word is getting out through the country to watch it because it's such a river of, of hope. You know, the messages they must listen to must be so boring. But to hear testimonies of God coming through and lives being healed and, and that, you know, what God does, it, it just must be like a refreshing river in, in the land. And, it really is getting into places. It's, so it's, it's a story amazing. of one imam, and he came to Christ and turned on the television, listened to the, uh, the, the, the program, heard the preaching of the gospel, heard the testimonies, gave his heart to Christ, uh, just sitting there in his room. And uh, then, of course, he's faced with a dilemma. Uh, if he announces that he's become a Christian, they'll kill him. So he went to Anwar to talk to him. Anwar prayed with him and counseled him how to withdraw out of the whole situation and, uh, and, uh, and, and try to make the best of a very difficult situation. Christians there are very persecuted. Some have lost their lives. Whenever anyone does something goofy in America, like that guy did burning the Koran, there are people who lose their lives in Pakistan. It's just like they immediately erupt. And uh, yet some of these uh, people who do these crazy things uh, don't connect what they have done in America with what's happening in Pakistan. We heard of people who gave their hearts to the Lord at the crusade. Then their neighbors come and attack them, beat them up, leave the woman naked in the street, just get down on them because they had the audacity to become Christians. And we take these things so easily. And um, this, the lifestyle of so many people, we heard of, we, we went way out, the most, actually, most exciting place we visited was to go out to the Indian border where they, <laughs> at six o'clock at night, they match one another. And it's, it's just hilarious. We'll have to show you the clip. They, I mean, our Maori haka is pretty good, but this is, this is so aggressive. They have their legs up above their heads, and they stomp. They've got these great big metal plates, and they stomp on the marble, and they, they puff out their chests like lizards, and they eyeball one another, and they've got these great big things on their heads. It's just, oh, it's just an act. But on the way out there, we passed miles and miles and miles of corn on the side of the road drying, and then we passed a, a, a brick kiln where they're making bricks. But there, we realise a lot of people are in slavery, People that get into debt they can't pay, they, they become slaves. And whole families are in slavery there because they're in debt that you can't, they can't repay. And also I met another woman, one other white woman I met the whole time I was there. She actually came from the same place I grew up in. And she's been there 20 years. And she happened to adopt three Pakistani children. Again, um, all her children she adopted were um, basically like babies abandoned. that are abandoned. The youngest girl, who's a friend of George's, her mother was 13. And, um, and all these women that got pregnant, 80% of them are from rape or incest. And they'd be honour killing, they'd lose their lives if they knew that they were pregnant. But these, I think, I think in, a, in a convent, a little baby was rescued and, and then handed over. And this lady's raising three children. But, you know, just the lifestyle there of women, you know, it's just... Incredible to hear their stories. 
Yeah, quite heart heartache, really, because sexual abuse abounds in the families. Wherever mm. you've got religion and legalism, you'll always have uh, uh, the darkness of sexual sin. And it, it just abounds in the families there. It, it's unreported, and uh, no one can complain about it, because to take it to court requires uh, four witnesses, and uh, you can never get four witnesses. And usually if they do get a conviction, it's then overridden anyway. Uh, if the girl gets pregnant, uh, it's not uncommon for her to be killed. And uh, if the baby is born, then they, they come and murder the child. And so uh, we had contact with one lady, who, as Joe was saying, and uh, the mother was a 13-year-old, had, had escaped from the family, had the child, and they had to conceal the mother and the baby before the family found them both and killed them both. So this is the kind of violence uh, that goes on and the, and, and the misrepresentation of what honour is really about. Mm. Uh, terrible. And, and in the midst of this nation, which is in such turmoil, there's just an opening of hearts to the gospel uh -huh. of Jesus Christ. People are just wanting something to change their lives. They're wanting what you and I take for granted. They're sick of it. They're sick of living under that oppression. Sick of the tyranny, the oppression, mm. the corruption of the government. And uh, so the place is very volatile right now. So our investment has been wonderful. Those of you who gave, I want to thank you. Uh, the sowing that you have made has, uh, is having a huge harvest of mm -hmm. souls. If you haven't yet sown or want to, please feel free to contact the office and uh, we can make a way for you to be able to sow, to have the gospel go on the year and to keep uh, reaching into those nations. Because one of the things we've, we began to see very clearly is when a nation's in turmoil, it's like a, a change in your life, you know. There are certain points in life when people are open to the gospel. This is when the nation is open to the gospel. So this is the time. Yeah. You can say, well, I could preach over here or there. No, we get to the right place at the right time. You get a harvest beyond belief because it's just such a, a, a huge opportunity right now. Even in the humanitarian area, you know, if you've got a heart for medicine, you could help uh, equip this hospital. We sowed money into um, equipping the hospital. Uh, David was saying a Christian's in a hospital, and they found that they're Christians. They, one of them was even in a small bed with a dead body, you know. They just get treated or not treated at all. They just get the second-rate treatment. So they had 1,500 people the first day they opened this little hospital, but it's done by voluntary work and, and equipment. Or you could redeem a slave. Might cost a few hundred dollars, but to bring a family out of slavery, there's so many areas we can get behind and and help. Uh, but um, particularly getting the gospel out, it, it costs money to keep this on air, but it's so effective. Everybody there loves watching the TV. They 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 just it goes into so many homes. It's such an effective means. But we so, went and recorded something one day. We sat there with sweat pouring <laughs> on us. We had to try and keep still because we were being you know, put on TV, but just to have the, the water falling off your face and every now and again they stop and let you dab yourself dry and carry on. And It was just so hot. It cost $20,000, I think, to get a generator to cool the Isaac TV office. But oh, without it, it's Very difficult, yeah. Anyway. So we, we, we didn't uh, do it easy over there. We all got sick and uh, had several days. That actually, it took us about a week to recover from the sickness. But uh, you just have to tough it out. So, you know, I managed to get one day when I could have a way alone. Uh, Joy had one day when she was able to get uh, just be at home with the, with the children as well. And, uh, but then you just have to, you know, throw up, get over it, and go to the meeting and preach, and then throw up again and carry on to the next thing. And uh, it, there's just a, a, a need for resilience in the midst of the challenges that are over there. But how awesome that God is touching so many. And just in one week, we saw so many thousands upon thousands of people saved and given their lives. Their name's written in the book, Lamb's Book of Life. Isn't that fantastic? Is it? Come on, let's give a Lord a clap. It's the same God we serve here. 
Let's believe God for souls to be saved here. I want to just uh, have you open your Bibles. I want to share something from the Word of God tonight. And uh, I just appreciate the church for... Oh, we've got a better microphone. Wonderful. I want you to read in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, I just... Uh, I'm so thrilled we have such a great church. We have such great reports uh, from Lynn and the team. The great job you've all done. And, and uh, it's, it's great that we can go away and and see God move and come back and just be able to enjoy being in a great church. I want you just, if you've got a Bible with you, open your Bible, and uh, we're going to look at just uh, a couple of verses, uh, three verses, uh, uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through to verse 3. Now, since we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and here it is, let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the throne, the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you be weary and discouraged in your souls. I want to just talk just briefly on the topic of courage. Courage. It's something that's lacking in many people today, and yet it's something that is vital for you and your race. Notice what it says here, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And several times in the three verses, it uses a word which really, if you translate it well, means courage. The word is, uh, originally it's this word, it means, uh, it's the word hupomeno, to remain in position in the place God called you to be. But it has these kind of meanings. So when it says, let us run with patience the race set before us, let's just rewrite it and say, let it runs with courage. Let us run with courage. It means literally this, brave, calm, steadfast courage. And so the apostle is urging every believer to be courageous, to have brave, calm, steadfast courage in your daily walk with God. When you go to a place like Pakistan, you realize that they live in the face and the threat of death all the time. Courage is very easy to see there because the threat is very visible. Uh, there's someone that could blow you up. There's someone could shoot you. And this happens all the time in those places. In fact, Dave is up now in Peshawar, uh, Peshawar which is the area where the Taliban uh, operate from, where they launch all their operations. It's a place where military convoys are destroyed. They're going there to preach the gospel. The pastor is not afraid. He has courage. Brave, steadfast, calm courage. It means literally to be un to remain unmoved, means not to recede or flee, not to draw back, means to stand fast in the middle of the most severe troubles and trials, and to hold fast to your faith in Christ till the very end. Courage. That's what believers need. Courage. We pray for an anointing. You already have anointing. What you need is courage. Use what you have to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray for greater moves of God. What we need is courage to take what we have and make what we have work. We pray for a revival that God will come. All of these things are great to pray for, but at the end, 
The life you're living now is a life based on your choices, the decisions you make. It's not whether God is moving in your life or God is not moving in your life. He is always wanting to move in your life. What He is waiting is for you to make a move. What He is looking for is people with courage, people that can stand up and be courageous and firm and calm, unmoved, not quitting because they have a strong, gutsy faith in Jesus Christ. In Pakistan, the enemy's visible and easy to say. Here it's more subtle. You don't have someone come and present a gun. You just have apathy presents itself every day. You have indifference presents itself every day. You have people laugh and jeer and make fun of your Christian life, perhaps every day. You have pressures come just to live an ordinary, peaceful, calm life, to just get along with everyone, to be liked. And all of those are enemies that will sap your courage to live a strong life for Jesus Christ. I believe that our nation doesn't need lots more of some of the things we're presenting. What it needs is courageous men and women of God. Men and women who take the gospel seriously, take Jesus Christ seriously, take their walk with God seriously, and have learned how to develop great courage in the face of adversity. So in this verse it says, let us run our race with courage. I wonder how you're running your race. I wonder daily what situations you're facing, and when do you face them with courage in your heart and full represent Christ well, or whether your courage falters the moment you walk through that door and you're out of a feel-good atmosphere. I love being in the presence of God. I love great meetings. But I tell you, nations aren't changed by great meetings. Nations are changed by great men and women with courage in their heart. I want to know if you're such a person. I want to know if you are running your race with courage. It says looking to Jesus. Most of us are looking to someone else. We look around. You look at the person next to you. Don't measure your faith on what they're doing. You'll lose courage. You'll lose heart. The Bible tells us to look clearly to Jesus Christ. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, endured. That's the same word. Courageously stood fast and went to the cross. Courageously stood up to mockery and persecution. Why? Because he had a dream of young men, young women getting saved. He had a dream of nations being changed. You say, I don't see that. But nevertheless, Jesus saw it, and he saw it well enough that he died for it. He demonstrated courage when he went to the cross. He demonstrated courage when he stood up to his family. He demonstrated courage when he said no to his disciples. He demonstrated courage when he stood up to religious leaders. He stood courageously. I want to know what kind of courage is operating in your life. It's a great joy for me, and I was very proud to see Dave and Kate standing with great courage in the face of difficult situations that most people would complain about. I never heard one word of complaint. I think it takes courage to face difficulties and not complain. That's courage. So sometimes we think, well, courage will be, I'll face someone who's got a gun or a spear or a knife or something. No, no, no. Most of us the facing of the courage is demonstrated in the little things day by day. But you know, it says, it says here, uh, it says, looking to Jesus, the author of our faith, who, notice this, endured the cross. 
Verse 3, consider him who endured. There it is, that same word, courage. So let's read it again in a different version. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him with brave, calm, and steadfast courage went and endured the cross, despising the, uh, the, the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. For consider him who so bravely and courageously endured the opposition of sinners against him. See, so we're to consider him. That means think about how Jesus handled the circumstances of life. Why? Because if you think about the one who demonstrated such courage, he will inspire courage in you. Don't look at what others are doing. Don't look at the weakness of their faith. Don't look at the compromise. Don't look at their half-heartedness. Look at Jesus Christ and see the courage with which he fulfilled his mission. You know, it takes courage to run the course. I find today people, if it doesn't feel good, they give up. They give up church because of such an off- a little offense with someone. They give up going and walking with God because they didn't get a prayer answered or they got hurt. I got hurt. I don't hear courage in that. I don't hear courage in that at all. I got hurt, so I gave up. I know you got hurt. I've been hurt too. But what really counts is not the hurts we receive in life, but what we do with the hurts and whether you demonstrate the quality of courage, of standing up to those hurts. On the cross, as Jesus was being hurt, I guess he was pretty hurt, wasn't he? You saw the flogging in that movie of Mel Gibson's about the passion. And you saw how he was nailed to the cross. And when he's on the cross, his accusers are mocking him down there in front of him. And crowds are standing, staring at him. It takes great courage to say, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. That takes courage to forgive. It takes courage to stand up in the face of difficulty. I know of many courageous people here. They've gone through all kinds of adversity. You'd never know. You just see them worshiping on Sunday, but you don't know what they went through during the week. You don't know the hardship, the difficulty, some of the abuse they suffered and faced. And they stood through it courageously and came and worshiped God as though nothing had happened. When I come to worship service and people don't participate very much, I think, well, they're overwhelmed in their life. They're not showing much courage, standing up bravely and praising God in the midst of it all. I was looking at some of the examples of the founders of our faith. I'll just read a few of them out to you, then I want to just finish with one, just a couple of simple keys at the end, because there are simple ways you can develop courage. You don't feel courage, you just act courageously. You never feel courageous. No one feels courageous. When you hear of people who did courageous acts, they're asked, they didn't feel courageous. In fact, they still struggle to have the word courage attached to them. But you know what happened? They acted courageously when the pressure was on them. And why did they act that way? Because something had been built into their heart. So let's have a look at the, the faith. You know, when you read the story of the, of the, of the New Testament, I'm just inspired by, by some of the stories. Here, here's some of the 12 young men. And these are probably all between about the age of uh, 18 and 26. And here they are. And we just list, get a list of some of them. And you see Stephen, bravely and courageously, young deacon in the church. And as they stoned him to death, and, and you know, that's not a nice thing to have happen. Where you're perhaps buried in the ground up to your chest, 
and then people stand there and they hurl big stones and slowly you're pummeled to death. And yet courageously, he said, Father, forgive them. That takes courage to forgive when you're hurting and all you want to do is get back. That takes courage not to pay back. It takes courage to release forgiveness. See, and so Stephen was stoned. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Philip was crucified. Matthew was killed with a sword. James, the brother of Jesus, was stoned and then clubbed to death. Matthias was stoned and then beheaded. Mark was dragged to pieces, hitched between horses and torn apart. Jude was crucified. Bartholomew was beaten and then crucified. Thomas was speared through and then left out on the street to bleed to death. Luke was hung. Simon was crucified. John was thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil. Peter was crucified, his head down. He said, I'm unworthy to be crucified with my head up. And this is amazing. These are young men who courageously followed Christ. I wonder if it's the same Christ we're following. See, Paul, it says uh, in the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs, the soldiers came and led him out of the city to the place of execution. And he knelt and prayed, and then he bent his neck forward to receive the sword. Now that is courage. He wrote, and it's recorded in uh, Acts 20, verse 24, that all the prophets came, and the prophets. So today people prophesy wonderful and glorious things, but in those days they didn't prophesy quite like that. They said every place you go, uh, that every place that he went, they said there's persecution and troubles lie ahead. And this is what he said, I am not moved. I am not moved. I am not moved by troubles that lie ahead because I know who I believe in. And so he went. He showed remarkable courage. When uh, he left uh, Ephesus, he knelt down and prayed. They all wept. Why? Because they knew they'd never see him again. They knew he was going to martyrdom. But he said, I am not moved. No, I will not be moved. By fear, I'll not be moved. By circumstances of life. This is courage. This is Christian courage. This is the foundation of the faith that you and I walk in. These are the men who gave their lives up. Uh, I was reading about another guy, uh, guy Eustatius, and he was a brave and a Roman commander, and uh, he had won some tremendous victories uh, for the Roman emperor, and uh, he was a Christian. And when he came back, and he came back in triumph after fighting for his uh, nation, and he was celebrated, and then they offered up these offerings, and he was uh, demanded or commanded by the emperor to bow down and offer to the idols, and he refused. And uh, that man there then forgot who he was and what he'd done and ordered him and his whole family to be martyred. And so they courageously gave up their lives rather than bow down to idols. I, I tell you, one of the books that's challenging to read is the Fox's Book of Martyrs uh, because it gives these stories of people and, uh, and how they stood and their faith stood. I remember reading one story, and uh, there was a group of Christians, and this is the Middle Ages, and uh, they'd been condemned as being heretics, and they were going to be uh, burnt at the stake. And uh, as uh, the older, younger guy that was there with an older man of God, and, and he was very, very afraid. And he says, I fear that I will renounce my faith in Christ. He says, I fear that my courage will go, that I'll become a coward when the time comes. And he asked them this question, uh, what can I do? And the older man said, when you stand in the place of adversity, God will give grace and your courage won't fail. And he said, how will I know that that can be, will happen? He said, well, they will burn me before you. And in the middle of the fire, if you see me raise my hand, you know God gave grace in the fire. 
And so the young man looked out the prison window as the older man was led and tied to the stake, and they put the fire around him and set the fire. And the man stood there, and as he gave up his life for his faith, and the, the, the flames were so very, very strong, they burned all the ropes, and eventually uh, he was, the ropes were free, and the young man saw a hand reach up in the middle of the fire. Now that is courage. And it gave courage to this other young man, and he gave his life for the gospel. You find there's so many stories. Polycarp, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of that name there, but he was a, a bishop of Smyrna. And uh, hearing that people were seeking after him, he escaped, but he was discovered by a child. And so when the guards came to get him, he welcomed them, and he gave them a great meal. And they were very sorry then that they'd found him and arrested him because he'd been so kind to them, and they actually repented. And uh, so then the, he, went, he was taken before the Roman proconsul, and the proconsul said, Swear, and I will release you. Turn against Jesus Christ. And Polycarp answered, and he said, Eighty-six years have I served him, and he never once wronged me. How shall I blaspheme my king? He has saved me. So at the stake where he was, he was tied, he was not nailed as they normally do, he assured them he would stand immovable. And uh, so the flames, uh, they began to circle around his body like a great arch without touching him. And so as the fire burnt, everyone was astonished to see that he was standing by the stake and no flame was touching him. And so the people who were wanting to kill him put a spear right through the flames and speared him to the post. And so much blood came out, it put out the fire. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible. It extinguished the fire completely. But see, these are men of courage, men of faith. I encourage you to read some of these stories of where our faith came from of the men and women of God who laid their lives down so you and I could have faith in Jesus Christ. Don't take your faith in Christ very lightly. Don't take it lightly, but rather be courageous to live a life that honors Jesus Christ. Be courageous. Be bold. Don't be wimpy. Live a life that honors God. Live a life that is strong in declaring who you are. Let me just give you a couple of simple things. How could I develop courage? I'm one of the things I'm very glad about in the Bible is it tells the people who lost their courage. Very clearly, Peter lost his courage in front of a woman, but God didn't abandon him because he lost courage. God helped him and gave him courage again. Uh, Mark, in the very, very difficult uh, mission journey he had with Paul, who was always being persecuted, he lost his courage and he gave up and ran away. But eventually, he was restored to Paul. God gave his courage back. And so uh, we have a look at the disciples. They all ran away from Jesus. So the Bible is full of people. Abraham lied. He lost courage and he lied about his wife. The Bible abounds in people, ordinary people. We call them heroes of faith. But there were times they didn't have much courage. They showed cowardice in the face of adversity. But you can grow in courage. God spoke to Joshua. He said, listen to what he said. He said in Joshua 1.8, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage because I, the Lord your God, am with you. So number one thing is, learn to practice the presence of God because it's from Him that courage comes. Here's the second thing. Commit yourself to Him unreservedly. If you've got a second, uh, you know, if you're always looking for a way out, you never ever do anything great. 
We need to anchor our lives on the Word of God. I believe one of the things that will strengthen courage in your heart is memorizing the Word of God and holding the Word of God in your life. Why? Because when pressure comes, the Word of God comes up to your mind. When you're in pressure, you don't feel God. You just feel the pressure. Third thing is, when you face difficulties, learn to praise God and rejoice in the difficulties. James 1.3 says, it says, rejoice knowing that these trials of your faith, look at this and this, work courage into your life. So maybe you're going through something right now, but God is wanting to work courage into your life. So what happens? How does God work courage into your life? How does God build courage into you? Very simple. He takes you through a test of your faith. When God doesn't seem to be there, pressures and all kinds of things do seem to be there. And when you stand on God's Word, courage begins to grow in your heart. The Bible tells us that tribulation or pressures work courage or endurance in your heart. See, so what do you do when you face pressures? The Bible says, endure them with a good attitude, knowing that they will work courage into your life. How do you handle pressures? Complain, be negative, stop praying, stop reading your Bible, quit on God, quit on giving, quit on whatever it is that have been a part of your life, or do you just become more determined than ever in the midst of your difficulty, you'll stand firm. You had the choice to be courageous, and you took it. It's in the little things you develop courage, and then it's revealed in the big things. It's revealed often in the very big things. See, so courage. God wants you to have courage. God wants you to have courage. Ask God for it. Practice living in His presence. Meditate in His Word. Learn how to praise Him in adversity. And then finally, learn how to do what God calls you to do, no matter what it takes. The Bible says in, in Hebrews 10.38, you have need of courage that after you've done the will of God, you get the goods, you get the promises. Most people today want everything easy. And so we want what we want, we want what we like, we want our desires, we want all kinds of things. But the great things in life come if you demonstrate courage and hold fast and stay the course. I was appreciated very deeply. Uh, I'm the only speaker in City Harvest who speaks in their Bible school. I have stuck with them for 21 years through every kind of situation that the church has failed. And they just thank me for staying the course. There's been many times I wanted to give up. There's been many times I haven't shown courage. Many times, in fact, I felt the grip of fear in a terrible, terrible way. And there's other times I felt that grip of fear and then just stood firm and did what God wanted me to do. The last two or three years, I've had to grow in courage. You never stop growing in courage. And it's, it's usually never seen by anyone except God. So I wonder how courageous you are. I wonder what it takes to get you upset, to stir you up, to stop you walking with God. That's the measure of how big you are as a person. So most of us won't have to face big things. We'll face lots of little things. And so for some of you young people, it'll take courage to say no. For some of you, it'll take courage to say no to drink, no to alcohol. And you know that when you say that, you'll feel the reaction and experience the response. But when you say no, you are demonstrating courage and staying firm to your conviction. 
It's ta it takes courage to be honest when all around you are taking shortcuts. It's one of the things that really impressed me in, uh, in, uh, uh, over in Pakistan was how Anwar takes no shortcuts. He has remained honest and full of integrity. It takes courage to do that when someone tries to bribe you. Uh, it takes courage to speak up when no one else is speaking up. It takes courage to stay pure when everyone else is being immoral. It takes courage to deal with the pain in your life by facing it and forgiving people. That takes courage. And no one sees but God. And God sees what you do in that time when no one else saw, and He sees and He rewards you. So it takes courage to follow through your commitments. It takes courage to stay the course. It takes courage when you said you'd do something, and then later it doesn't work out so good to do that, but you keep your word anyway. That takes courage. It takes courage to stay true to your spouse. It takes courage to stand up for your children. It takes courage to walk in the ways of God. It takes courage to manage your finances and honor God in your giving. Courage, firmness, steadfast, unwavering, no matter what the cost, holding the course that God called you to stay. I would love if God would raise up a generation of courageous men and women that would not be afraid to stand for Jesus Christ, not be afraid to tell their friends about Christ. What is it you fear? That they won't like you? How will you feel when you stand watching them burn forever and eternity in hell? And they look, why didn't you speak? I wanted to, I just didn't have the courage. You see, we need courage. Many Christians think if I pray more and pray harder, my life will go better. I don't think so. Prayer can help. What really counts is courage to live out your life, walking with God, obeying His commands, following His way, and representing Him well. And that's what our nation needs. It needs men and women of courage. True believers. True believers. I believe that's the desire of your heart. I was so impressed to go to Pakistan and see courage in the face of adversity. To see pictures of a man, an older man, confined to a bed, who when the crowd gathered round him, refused to give up Christ, even when they beat him to death. Or the stories of courage I've heard from Indonesia, where four young people were trapped in a house surrounded by Muslim extremists. And they found those four young people and they were all holding hands, and it was clear they had been praying together, standing together in the face of the adversity. This is what's going on in the world today. It shames Western Christians. It shames us that our faith is so weak, that our courage is so little. But what a day today to make it a choice. God, I want to... Be a man, a woman of courage to follow through my convictions, stand up for what I believe in, live a life that honors my Savior, Jesus Christ.
just close our eyes right now. Courage. God spoke to Joshua. Don't be afraid. Don't be overwhelmed and disheartened. Be strong. Be of good courage. He didn't tell him to pray for it. He told him to stand fast and to act courageously. I wonder tonight, has any person here never received Jesus Christ, never become a Christian? Takes courage to respond to Christ, takes courage to become a believer, a follower of Christ. It's not a small thing, a light thing, or a weak thing. It takes courage to walk with the living God in the earth today. I wonder, is there any person here today who would respond to Jesus Christ? I'd like you to raise your hand. If you're here tonight and ready to receive Jesus, become a Christian, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand. Is anyone here tonight? Anyone here tonight that is not a Christian, you've never given your life to Jesus, and you want to do it tonight, want to receive Jesus? Is there anyone here? I wonder tonight if God has been speaking to you about courage. Not the great things of going to the mission field or anything like that, but in the small matters, the choices, the decisions, following through commitments, keeping your word, speaking out, speaking up, reaching out, reaching to people, being a strong witness for Jesus Christ. You hear God speaking to you about that today, challenging you tonight. I'd love you just to raise your hand. I'd love you just to raise your hand just right now. God's been speaking to your heart about that. Praise the Lord. God bless. God bless. Tell you, God's speaking to me about it. I got my hand up. At times when I've shown great courage, times I've shown great cowardice. You grieve over those times. God gives you another chance. Then it comes around again. So do your preparation. God will send the occasions and the opportunities, your chances to become a courageous person. I'd like to just pray for you just where you are. I don't need to have you come in an altar call. I don't need to lay hands on you because what you put your hand up for does not come by the laying on of hands. It comes by obedience to Jesus Christ, standing up for him and representing him well. So, Father, I thank you for each person that raised their hand tonight. Lord, you know the struggles they've faced. You know the times that they've felt overwhelmed and backed down and, and not shown the courage that you've called them to. Lord, tonight I pray for an increase of courage. I pray for opportunities to make stands, opportunities to speak out, opportunities to say no, opportunities to say yes, opportunities to speak for Christ, opportunities to stand up for what is right, opportunities to live a life that's powerful. May never be seen by men, but Lord, I know it'll be seen by you. Father, I pray for courage, courageous men, courageous women. I pray in this church you'd raise up a generation of courageous men and women who know what it is to live strong life, a committed life, and not to wimp out when it gets a little tough, not to complain when things are hard, not to give up when they get hurt, but to be courageous, to forgive and stand. Father, we pray for our city, 
in our area. That, Lord, you would enable us to penetrate, reach people for Christ and touch our region. Lord, give your people courage in every church in the city. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Why don't we just stand, lift our hands, and just worship the Lord. You alone are worthy of glory. You alone, Lord, are worthy of glory. I really feel the presence of God very strongly here. God's speaking to hearts. I know He's challenged mine. I may not have presented it very clearly, but I, I felt the presence of God come because He wants to challenge us to be courageous.